Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for January 27th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric and I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter at ETOF 2-1, on Instagram at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore, for free daily horse racing bets at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore horse underscore racing, for free fantasy advice on the gram at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore fantasy, on TikTok at ETOF 2-1 Sports, and on YouTube at ETOF 2-1 Sports. There you can find the ETOF 2-1 Sports show. How is everyone doing today? We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. Gino's going to stop by. He's going to tell you what bets to lock in in the Pegasus World Cup over at at Gulfstream Park this Saturday. Nick is going to stop by. Him and I are going to build you a DFS lineup for the AFC and NFC Championship and my boy David, aka Better DP21. Him and I are going to tell you what bets to lock in for the AFC and NFC Championship. But before we get around into that, everyone knows I need to vet. I just got off Twitter and oh my God, guess what is trending on Twitter? Void Luca. Why is it? I guess he played three minutes last night. I had no financial investment in the game. I didn't watch the game. I need to do a little investigation. And upon doing my investigation, Void Luca was trending. Sportsbook's own doing. Void Luca. They've done this in the past where they've voided bets. And I've gone on here and I've said this is a grown up game. I don't care that your little $14, $25 fucking bet lost. I don't care. You bet it, be an adult, you lost, move on. If he goes on the court, the bet is live. That's just the rule of the sports book. Now what we're going to see is we're going to see these books have injury insurance, all this BS, all because of what was set in motion. None of this shit happens in the offshore. Everyone talks shit to me about playing offshore. I play offshore because you know why? I don't get limited. And I don't have to deal with this pedestrian bullshit of this juvenile betting world that's been created by FanDuel, DraftKings, PointsBet, and all these other books. If you guys do this shit by refunding these bets, this is what was going to happen. What do you expect to happen? This was caused by the sports books. And now everyone in their aunt thinks they should get this bet refunded, which they shouldn't. They should not get their bets refunded. He was on the court. It lost. I'm sorry you lost your bet. Move the fuck on. Because this is the new norm now. This is the new norm. This is what we are living in right now in the betting world. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks. But the sport books, they're the ones that created it. So you know what? They got to deal with it. They got to figure it out. Next thing I want to talk on. Frank Wright. Going to the Panthers. I absolutely hate this bet. Why isn't Wilkes the coach here? Wilkes took a team that was trying to tank. Trying to lose game. They traded their best player away. They had Sam Darnold. PJ Walker. They had a bunch of no-name guys being their quarterback. And they almost won the South. They almost got to the playoffs. Actually, you know what? They should have gotten to the playoffs if DJ Moore didn't spike his helmet after scoring that touchdown against the Falcons. And now you hire him with Frank Wright. And I know all these people like Frank Wright. I have news for you guys. I'm not a Frank Wright guy at 
all. I think Frank Wright is one of the most, if not the most overrated coach in the NFL. He didn't run the ball enough with Jonathan Taylor. All those guys, oh, Taylor this, Taylor this. Let's look back on key games where they needed to win. Last year against the Jaguars. You're not giving Jonathan Taylor the ball over 20 times a game in the run game? What the hell are you doing? There was games against the Titans, and the Titans were putrid last year running the ball, and you're not giving Jonathan Taylor the ball. And then you had a chance, from what I heard, to get Stafford, and you picked Carson Wentz. That's who you wanted. I'm telling you guys right now, Frank Wright, cute name. He's not the guy with the Panthers. He is absolutely not the guy with the Panthers. I think it's an awful hire. I don't understand why Wilkes can't get a job in this league. I think he got a raw deal with the Cardinals when they let him go after one season to bring in Kingsbury. Now he's getting a wrong deal here. This guy should be a coach in the league. I thought he did great in a terrible situation. I don't think it's right what is happening to him. Now, let's talk about the Buffalo Bills. Oh my God, do I have a lot to say about the Buffalo Bills. The first thing I'm going to tell you about the Buffalo Bills is this. It's all in their coaches. I went into it in my live stream on Tuesday, the ETOF21 Sports Show Live, 10 p.m. Eastern, every Tuesday on YouTube. That game plan was embarrassing. You're playing a team over a 10-week sample size that has allowed the fourth most yards passing, fourth most explosive yards passing rate. You go down the field on the second play, overthrow it on digs, don't go, don't go deep again until the third, fourth quarter on third and short. What the flying fuck is that shit? Who is calling these plays? Oh, it's Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey, who people want to hire as a head coach. Now, the one thing the Panthers did get right, I'll tell you this, Frank Wright is way better, way better qualified than Ken Dorsey. And wherever Ken Dorsey goes, that is going to be Nate Hackett 2.0. And I'm going to get to Nate Hackett going to the Jets in a little bit. Dorsey, all he's done in this league is what? He's taken Josh Allen and made him worse. He's taken this Bills offense and made it worse. There was a time last year where the Bills were clicking. They played that Monday night football game. Awful weather conditions against New England. New England just ran, 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 ran. After that, what did the Bulls start doing? He started running the ball. Over 20 rushing attempts a game from running backs. Singletary, Johnson, Zach Morris, that crew. We didn't see that at all. We did not see that at all from this Bills crew. And when they needed to run the ball in that game to start it, they couldn't run the ball. And they took no deep shots, which I'm still absolutely effing dumbfounded about. And then on the defensive end, you don't blitz when you're playing a team that's starting three out of five replacements, three out of five backups on the offensive line. You're only rushing four in the snow, and those don't, don't understand, and I'm absolutely shocked, all these quote-unquote experts, never mention this, is it's hard to create a pass rush in the snow. Even more reasons to blitz, and the Cincinnati Bengals outblitzed you? You... You're supposed to have Leslie Frazier. You do have Leslie Frazier, excuse me, who comes off as this supposed to be one of the best OCs in the game, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't 
blitz more than the Bengals and he keeps on playing nickel or cover two, two safeties high. What the flying fuck are you fucking doing? Third and short and you have your DB playing seven yards off Jamal Chase. What are you doing? Like literally, I am texting. I am friends with coaches in the league. I am friends with scouts in the league. I am friends with other people that used to play in the league. And I'm sending these text messages and all of us are just the same. We're like, what the fuck are they doing? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Bengals played great. But the Bills coaching staff with what they give didn't give the Bills a chance to win. I'm not saying they would have won the game, but I'm saying it would have played off a little bit fat, a little bit differently. And that's my point with what I'm going to say. If the Bills want to win a championship with Josh Allen, you have to fire Ken Dorsey. Who do you bring in? You bring in Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell interviewed for the Bears job. He brought a whole playbook in already designed to fit Justin Fields. That's what they need here in Buffalo. They need a playbook. They need someone that understands what they have in Josh Allen and put him in a position to win. Caldwell has that calming personality where he's not going to let Josh Allen get rattled. And then who do you bring on the defensive end? Who is probably one of the best defensive coordinators ever who's just sitting on his effing ass right now? Vic Vangio. You call Vic Vangio. You have Vic Vangio come in and you give him the keys to that defense. Now you got a Vic Vangio defense and then you have a Jim Caldwell offense. And you know what? You do that, Buffalo, you're winning a championship next year. But people don't want to do the uncomfortable thing. And I really think that's what's going to happen. They're not going to do the comfort the uncomfortable thing and make those coaching changes and they're going to be stuck with the same people and they're going to be in the same position next year. And of course, I need to talk about Nate Hackett. How the fucking fuck does Nate Hackett have an OC job? That just proves my point. Same thing I said with Scott Turner going to the commanders. The NFL coaching, it's just a good old boy tree. Oh, Nate Hackett. Hey, your dad. Sweet. Oh, you've been a coach before. Sweet. He sucked. When he was with the Jaguars, he didn't call plays. Goes up to Green Bay, Matt LaFleur, basically play called, play designed. Hagel was just kind of there. Goes to Denver. Oh, sweet. Offense looked putrid. Offense looked better after Hackett gave up play calling and gave it to Kubiak. Think about that. This is supposed to be a quote-unquote offensive genius. And the offense looked better after he gave it up. Everything went to Kubiak. And the offense started to look better. Let's just let that set in. And now this is supposed to be the guy that's supposed to come to the Jets and cure all the offensive woes. Let's just kind of let that set in, people. And if you really think Nate Hackett's going to do that, props to you. Because I don't see any way. I don't like ruin for people to fail as much as people think I do. I'm just looking back at it as a person with common sense, a person that actually understands football. And I don't see how Nate Hackett can take what these Jets have and take it to that next level. Now, obviously, if you get Aaron Rodgers there, you know, it'll be a little bit better because Aaron Rodgers is that good. But you know what? He's getting up there and maybe it's good for one year, but he can't scheme. He can't call. And he's going to be your offensive coordinator. It just makes absolutely zero sense to me. And I know LaFleur was falling out of it with the players, you know, Elijah Moore and everything. But I'll tell you what, Elijah Moore, eh, bitching because he's not getting the ball. When you don't have a quarterback who can't throw the ball, I get it. He just takes it all on the floor. Um, I think he got a bad deal. I think LaFleur should have got another run. Because when you're expected to win as an OC and you're rolling out Zach Wilson, 
You're rolling out Zach Wilson and Mike White. Why not look at the GM that decided, hey, or the scout that decided, hey, you know what? Let's draft Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. Could you imagine if Justin Fields in the Shanahan type of offense that LaFour likes to run with New York? That team's in the playoffs right now. The fact they drafted Zach Wilson, that's why they're not in the playoffs right now. LaFleur got the brunt of it. He was scapegoated. And now you bring in Nathaniel Hackett. You think that's going to cure all your problems? Wow. Wow. Let that set in. And if anyone disagrees with me, feel free to DM me. I'm more than happy to have an open discussion about it, but I don't see that happening. I think that's a huge issue. That's kind of my event with the betting world and NFL coaches and everything. We have, Like I said, we have a great podcast for you today. So let's jump right into it. We've reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking about horse racing. And there's some huge races at Gulfstream Park this weekend with the Pegasus World Cup. And who better to come on than Gino at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. Gino, how you doing today, my man? Doing good, buddy. Yeah, big card coming up this weekend at Gulfstream Park. I think there's seven graded stakes races. We're going to talk about the three Pegasus races, which are the last three on the card, races 11, 12, and 13, two grade ones. So you can play all sorts of huge rolling kind of pick fours, pick fives throughout the day. There's a coast-to-coast pick five between all three of these races that we're going to talk about, and then two races at Santa Anita, which is a really cool wager because it's a dollar-based wager, and it has 15% takeout. And it pays great because it, since it doesn't have a 50 cent wager, it's a little bit tougher to play, right? You have to play bigger tickets. You can't play, you have to, you know, decide and you have to take some stands. So that's pretty fun. And there's a huge stable duel game uh, also on Saturday based around these Gulfstream Park races. So I'll have a lot of action on Saturday, firing away. Nice, nice, nice. We're going to start in the 11th race, race, the Pegasus World Cup Philly and Mare Turf Invitational. Where are your eyes here? So some scratches in this race. Uh, the five Monastella is out. Ten Bay Storm is out. Eleven Perseverant Perseverancia uh, is out. So uh, I had an Eric pronunciation on that one right, right. there. Right. So uh, in this race, even with those scratches, it looks like there's a pretty good amount of early speed signed on. The two horse Delica wants to be forwardly placed. The one horse Artie's Princess coming at is coming out of some sprint races. So uh, I'm expecting her to be forwardly placed and she draws the inside Um, continuing looking through the rest of the field. The six queen goddess wants to be forwardly placed in close up. You have the, and then towards the outside, the two horses that got scratched would have been close. So I think you're going to have at least three or four horses pushing the pacing here. A couple that I'll be looking towards the three Wakanaka is my top selection. She's a stone cold closer. But she's really, really honest. You know exactly what you're going to get from her. She's going to drop back. She's going to make one late run. When she's in a race where they go fast enough early, she'll come closing in. She'll win. When she's in a race where they don't go fast enough, she'll still come running and she'll finish a really good second or third. She raced against the boys um, in two starts back in September. She was behind a horse named Modern Games. Modern Games won the Breeders' Cup this year. He's a two-time Breeders' Cup winner. Uh, another horse that was in that race is named Ivar. Ivar is going to be favored in the Pegasus World Cup turf that we're going to talk about next. So Wakanaka has faced really nice horses like Regal Glory. She lost to a couple different times in Italian. Those are all horses that are just a little bit better than her and they have a little bit more speed 
respect in her. This is a good, a really good spot for Wakanaka. So she's my top selection uh, in here, Eric. The nine Shantasara is the horse to beat. I'm okay if you try to take a shot against her in here. She's probably going to be a really short price. She didn't. Ra- um, what what I don't like about her is she hasn't been racing a lot recently. Since October of 2021, she's got three races. She raced in October of 2021 and she wins. And then we don't see her again for six months. She shows back up in April and that should have been the start of her year. But she runs one time in April and then she doesn't run again till November. She shows up in November and now we haven't seen her again for two and a half months. There's not a lot of, um, of you know, consistency with her and she's not like, necessarily the sharpest right now i'm okay taking a shot against her um the other one that i would look at is the seven lady rock star she kind of sits the trip that i'm looking at also she's similar to wakanaka she's going to be more of a a deeper closer probably coming from off the pace those are the horses who i'm looking at in this race because i I just think that the speed horses up front are all going to cancel each other out they're all going to impact each other so lots of threes and sevens for me in race number 11 that's funny because my note right here is Gino talked me off of Lady Rockstar. Yeah, but that's, that's I, won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't talk you off her. What's nice about Lady Rockstar too, not only does she get the type of trip, like the way the race will shape up, she's also coming into this race with a nice pattern. She was off from July to December. Most of the time, I love playing horses making their second or their third start back. The first time they run after about you know four, five, six months, you're probably not going to give your best effort. You're probably going to need that race. You won't be quite as fit, right? Racing more and more will get you into better fitness. Training is a little bit tougher. Just think about it like in, in any sport, right? If you're a basketball player and you can get ready and practice all you want, but there's nothing like a game, like game speed. How about the NFL, right? Some of these guys that go through training camp and they come into a game and after one series, they're, they're blown up. You know, they're not used to that game speed. Same sort of thing here. So I think Lady Rockstar should be in really good shape. So, um, yeah, Eric, we'll, we'll be on the seven and the, the three, Wakanaka. If Wakanaka is anything over seven to, like seven to two or above, I'd make a win wager there. Probably wouldn't want to take lower than that and bet her to win because she is a deeper closer. So she, is, she still does need a little bit of, of, not necessarily luck, but things to go her way because – she's not going to be right on the lead. That's just not the way that she runs. She needs two or three horses to kind of battle and set it up for her. Now, would this be a race where we could get a price underneath and we could go three, seven overall or not? I I think maybe we play threes and sevens in some of the multi exotics. I think you look at both the three and the seven. If you can get like seven to two or above on the three, five to one or above on lady Rockstar, I think that's fine value. If you want to play either of them to win in this race, or if you're playing like a pick five or any kind of late exotics, maybe this is a race where you play those two and chuck out Shantisara, who will probably get a lot of money and be the short price in here. So I would lean three and seven on the win end, trying to find ways to, to get them to win or on your like pick threes, pick fours, and maybe playing against Shantisara in this race at a short price. Okay. Now, in the 12th race, the World Cup Turf International, where where is your mind in this race? Now, this race, what's funny, um, it's sort of the opposite stylistically as the 
11th. In the 11th race, I was looking for the horses that were going to be coming from the back because I think they'll, they'll be going pretty quick early. This race doesn't look like there's very much speed in here at all. So I'm actually looking for horses who are going to be more forwardly placed and closer to the early lead. And that actually leads me to the uh, the five-year-old mare, Lady Spitespear. Now, Lady Spitespear is in fantastic form right now. She most recently was third in the Breeders' Cup filly and mare turf. So she was against the best fillies and mares. And she was sitting close throughout. She ran a really good race that day. I mean, she had a great 2022. She has not done much wrong in her last four races or so. Um, I think she might be the one to catch. Luis Saez is a really good aggressive jockey at getting horses out front. So I'd love to see that. And then the price horse in here that I think should actually sit a really nice trip is Atone, the three. Um, Atone is a horse who has a little versatility to him, but his best races are when he's either right on the lead or able to sit really close to the lead. I'd love it if Lady Spitespear goes out front and Atone just sits comfortably right behind her and those two don't really pressure each other, just kind of sit behind each other and it would kind of take a lot of the other horses out of the race if they don't go very fast in here. So a lot of my wagers um, will be on those two, uh, Lady Spitespear and Atone. Atone, kind of the price horse to make sure to throw Atone in to your exotics because he'll probably be eight to one or above. And at the very least, he should give you a good run for your money based on where he's, based on his running style. Should just always be sitting in a good spot and kind of just fall into a, a nice trip. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about City Man? I would like, I like him as a horse. My concern is just the post position draw because his running style wants to be kind of close to the lead, but just sit right off. And he might get hooked really, really wide because he's drawn way to the outside in here. So Joel Rosario is a very good rider. He's had a struggling start to the meet for a few weeks now. He's not winning at his normal percentage. He's normally like a 20% rider or so. He's winning at about a 9% clip right now. So you have a cold rider on a horse who has a bad post. I'm a little cold on him only because trying to play it out in my head, they're going to have to either get really aggressive with him and try to get him to the front, which isn't really what he wants to do or they're going to have to try to take him way back. So that way he's not really wide and that's not really what he wants to do either. So if he wins this race, I think it'll probably be at a shorter price than his fair chances of winning the race are. So I'm a little cold on city man in here, at least on the win end, I'd be okay using him underneath, but I'm probably going to shy away from him in my pick fours and pick fives or, or betting horses to win in here. Now you mentioned jockeys. So like the jockeys that are running right now, um, the Ortiz brothers, Rosario's, like if it comes down to like you like two horses and you have a jockey like there who's like stationed at Gulfstream Park, or do you have a and a versus a jockey that's just coming in for the day for the for it? Does that like you know what I mean? Will you like favor that horse with the jockey that's there if it comes down to two horses and you're trying to figure out for the like one? Um, for the most part, I don't. I won't really use the track as a determining factor as much as maybe like the style of the horse and which jockey might fit them better. Right. Like um, think about again, comparing to other sports, like everyone has a different style, right? Some quarterback has like a bigger arm, so they might be better with a, a 
uh, wide receiver, right? That's um, like a big stretch it down the field. But then another quarterback that maybe maybe a little bit more accurate might be better with like a more possession wide receiver or a better tight end, right? Just all about fits with teams. Um, and I think the same thing with jockeys, like we're talking about Joel Rosario, for example. And if if I want to play a horse that's a closer, Joel Rosario would probably be the guy I want on the horse most. Mm-hmm. He's got a really good um, clock in his head and he doesn't, he naturally likes to take horses back because he's a very strong finisher. He's like a shortstop that kind of gets the ball and waits, 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 and then just fires it across just yeah. to show off a little bit. That's kind of how Joel is because he can time it perfectly when he's at his best. And he, if you turn for home and you're next to Joel or he's close to you, he's probably going to out finish you. He's just yeah. that strong of a finisher. So I like him on closers, you know, okay. um, there are other guys, for example, like um, someone like an Edwin Maldonado is a speed rider that you look at in Santa Anita. He rides out here a lot. If you know, you want your horse to get, to the lead and Edwin Maldonado is on, you always realize he's going to do a a great job of getting them out front, getting them relaxed. So for me, it's more about what, uh, what the horse and the jockey may fit together um, with their styles versus maybe one that's based at the track. The good ones can, they know all the tracks pretty well, like Joel and Irad and Flavian Pratt and stuff. They all know Gulfstream and Keeneland and Belmont and Santa Anita. Really like a jockey coming in for the day. Won't really, deter you i guess no not really for the most part they 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 either get they've either been familiar with it or they get familiar with it like in the mornings they get up on some horses they walk the track for the most part that doesn't really bother me good Um, question though yeah the 13th is the big one the pegasus world cup invitational where what horses are you looking at here Cyberknife is the horse to beat, and I think he's very honest. If you're playing like a pick four or a pick five or any type of exotics, I wouldn't throw him out. I would definitely want to use him. What do you mean by the term honest? He is, he always shows up. There are very few races, like um, it would be like a team that you're looking at every one of their games And even when they lose, you understand why. Maybe they lose a game because they have an injury or the other team went shot crazy percentage from three. Like he never really has a bad effort. Like he Mm -hmm. always runs his race. And if the race shapes up for him or if he's in a race where he doesn't face as tough of company, he's going to win. And, And this spot looks really good for him. I think it's going to be the last race of his career too. So they've been pointing for this race. Um, I expect him to run really well. So I wouldn't, throw him out of any of your exotics. I would include him, but the horse that's the, um, were you going to, you're going to ask oh, something no, about that? No, the, the, the one that's the, that I'm going to include with him. I'll probably play exact as and I'll, and um, I'll probably use these two in pick fours and pick fives is get her number. Um, get her number is the number eight in here. He's a horse who was actually pretty good a couple years ago when he was um, a young horse. And, He's had some issues along the way. It's like every year he's kind of run a race or two and then he's gotten hurt and he's been off for a bunch of time and he's like started a couple races and then stopped. But the middle part of last year, he was able to start stringing races together. And then he ran a couple good ones. He ran a good race in, in June of last year. Then he came back, he ran another really good race in July. And then in August, he didn't run all that well. Um, he had some trouble in his race and then he was off for a few months. 
Since then, his November and December races are really, really good. He lost to a nice horse last time out named Mind Control, who earned $2.8 million. Mind Control would be a major player in this race right here and get her number moved to the lead. He actually took the lead at the top of the lane, and he just lost a photo. And he's going to get the type of trip that I'm looking for in this race. He's kind of got a similar style to Cyberknife, but he's just going to be a way bigger price than Cyberknife. He's going to offer us so much more value possibly getting the same type of trip. He may not be quite as good, but that's why he's 15 to one versus five to two or three to one. So it's built into his price a little bit. Um, He's the horse. That's the kind of the key to the race for me. I'd love to get him in an exacta or a try. Um, I'll probably play a few bucks to win on him, but Cyberknife is the one to beat the way I'm looking at it. So would this be a race where we could play Cyberknife over everyone than everyone over Cyberknife. Yeah, we could probably do it with those two, maybe even okay. like Cyberknife and get her number overall um, in Exactas and tries or Exactas, you know, and then all over get her number in Cyberknife, especially because the the eight is such a great price. You know, if you could get a big price on top of that one in an Exacta, you will really get rewarded. He might be a cut below like the best in here. But after Cyberknife, the rest of this group is all kind of similar. Like he, Cyberknife really feels like the only legitimate grade one caliber horse. The rest are all like nice grade two-ish horses. That's why I think if it's not him, it really can open it up for um, some nice value in here. And uh, and I've been keeping an eye on Get Her Number for a while out here in uh, in Southern California. And I think he's... Uh, He's heading for a, a good one. And what I like about him too is he showed that he can run well away from Southern California. He shipped over to Aqueduct recently and he ran well at Aqueduct. So I don't think it'll matter for him moving to different tracks. Um, sometimes horses in certain barns are really good in California, but when they have to leave California or ship, they don't do well. Um, I, I'm at least able to see that race that he ran really well last time out. So see if we can get our number. I have one horse I was looking at. Um, yeah. 12 O'Connor. Got 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 my boy. Jet. Oh my Javi? God. Javi Castellano. Oh, you're, oh, oh, a safety. Safety Joseph. Safety. Got yeah. my one nine out of 10. Um, do you feel that because his first stakes here, he finished fourth? Do you feel that price is a little too high? Because he won an allowance race. After that, if my yeah. memory serves me. I won't talk you off of him because of his price. My only concern with him also is just the post, just drawing wide in this race. He he would really not shock me. And I and he can get a nice trip in here. I think he's a good horse, and I think he will have a nice year. If he was drawn in post five or six, I would absolutely be using him on all of my exotics because he's in post 12. I'll treat him more a little more like an underneath horse, but I'm not going to talk you off him because I do think he could win this race with the right trip. He's just, he's really going to have to earn it from out there in post 12. Now, my last question is, and I've never asked this of you, A, who do you feel is the jockey that you can trust the most when you need a win in a pick five? And who's the jockey that you absolutely despise? Cause I know who the jockey I absolutely despise is. What's funny is 
the two that I would say for me have always have always done me personally the absolute best are both really struggling right now, which is kind of funny. Um, Joel Rosario, who we just talked about, and Flavian Pratt, um, who is back and forth. He's on the he's been on the West Coast a lot for the last yeah. couple of years, and I, I personally have had the most success like with those two when I've needed them in a big way. Now. For me, the one that is a little, I think I've just personally not had as much success for with him. And I think overrated. I don't I don't even like saying that, but I don't think he's the best jockey is Irad Ortiz Jr. Um yeah. personally for me, there are too many times where I see him on a really good horse that didn't get the greatest of rides. That's sort of how I look at. Um, what I think a good jockey is, do you always put your horse in a good position, right? Do you always give yourself a chance? And then sometimes your horse just isn't good enough, right? But um, there have been a couple too many times where I was expecting a horse to be here and they were there. I was expecting a horse to be there and they were here. For the most part with Flavian, um, who has probably been my personal favorite over the last couple of years, I rarely am like, what is he doing right now? Like, why is he in that spot? And with a jockey, it's really hard because it's so much, it's so similar to baseball. You know, like the best jockeys are only winning 25 to 30% of the time, which yeah. means they're losing 70 to 75% of the time, just like your baseball batting averages. So even the best ones, it's so hard to win. And sometimes you're like, there's just nothing you can do about a bad start. Two horses crush you at the, at the gate and you're out. But yeah, for my money, the last month or two, he's he's struggled. He's burned a lot of money, but it's been Pratt consistently for the for the last few years. Nice. I um I can't stand Mike Smith. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but he's got you, huh? He, Mike Smith is the guy that always seems to get me. And then my guy, I don't know, like the guy from he's he doesn't really leave Golfstream that much. Maybe he'll do like a random stakes in Woodbine or at parks, but uh, Zalas. I love that guy. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's he's very, he's very good. That's, and, that's my dude. Yeah, and for me, last year, like, you know, the last couple of years I've been playing, I was able to play some other uh tracks a little bit more, you know, like at Sam Houston. Uh Luzzy did some great work for me. He was someone I always had some really good success with. Um uh DeSormo just started riding again. I had a lot of success. Um, he's had some troubles, but he's back, you know, getting a lot of mounts again now. Um, I've had some really good success with him through the years. And, and what I used to do, you know, like you said, there was always, um, there was always someone for me who was like, God, if I don't have them, they beat me. And when I have them, they always run second or third when I need them. And for a yeah. while, that was Bejarano for me. Um, okay. He was the guy that was always doing that. Yeah. And then it, and then I was having a stretch where it was uh, Julian Leperu who was like sort of doing that. And then what I would do is I kind of turned it the other way. I would just start playing a lot right. more of the horses that he was on. And a couple times he popped at really big prices. So then all of a sudden I loved it. I loved yeah, him. So loved him. Then, then I loved, loved him, him, you know? So. And I think, I think it was you. Like you, you had this quote way back when on TVG, I think you, I think you said the soft hands of Ken DeShormo. Yeah. I think that's the best quote yeah. I've ever heard you say. Yeah. Just kind of when way he's... back, way back in the day. He used to be like the last race of the day guy too. Like just, you sort of knew that last race of the day, if his horse was live, he was going to win. And he, when he, his a game 
like the times where he's been like healthy and focused and really riding well, um, I, I think his peak is like as good as anyone's peak um, when he's when he's riding really well. So, um, you know, we always like to see everybody, you know, not dealing with some of the uh, the, the you know personal struggles and yeah. stuff and uh, good for him to be riding well. And uh, hopefully he continue to make people money. Gina, I'd like to thank you stopping by talking some horse racing. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and what was on your podcast that came out on Thursday? Yeah, uh, it's me, Gino B. On Twitter is a good place to find me. I always post all the podcast links, uh, lots of stuff I do with Eric, too. Uh, We host a show for Better Than Vegas, and we'll be talking some football coming up this week. Eric and I also do a pick'em preview show for Santa Anita. We'll have that coming up this week on Sunday. My podcast, that's what G said. You can download anywhere you get your podcast. This weekend, it was me and Eric talking about all of the – NFL games for this weekend. I guess all of them. There's only two now. Yeah. I'm used to saying all of the NFL games, but there's only two this weekend. Uh, but we still spent quite a bit of time talking about what happened last weekend. There's a full Royal Rumble roundtable because the Rumble's coming up this weekend. Yeah. We spent with myself, Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, and Chad Cooper. We spent three hours. We went through the Rumble card and then we went through every person that's listed, every possible person, a surprise crazy out there legends that could come back i think for the men we talked about a hundred different people and in the women we talked about like 50 so we went through all of them uh and then uh we also uh spent a bunch of time talking about this right here Gulfstream park if you want a little bit more on Gulfstream park um we went through races 10 11 12 or 10 11 12 and 13 with uh, barry spears who uh, who helped me and we looked at the past performances talked a lot about these same horses that we were talking about with you awesome my man make sure to give that a listen i always listen to it when i go to the gym and i'm doing one of my workouts thanks for coming on and we will be talking to you sunday morning on btv my friend I'd like to thank Gino for coming on and giving you his bets for the Pegasus World Cup. Guys, if you're not following Gino, make sure you give him a follow. Great guy. will answer all your betting questions. Knows his stuff. I'm on his podcast every single week talking either basketball or football. Make sure you give him a follow at It's Me, Gino B. Now let's shift our attention over to fantasy football. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to be talking fantasy football. And just like he's been here every week. Nick, a.k.a. at N.A. Fantasy on Twitter, is on, and him and I are going to talk about this week's slate. Nick, how are you doing today? Great, man. How are you doing? Just another day in Chicago in the snow, man. This is my type of weather. I'm a Michigan boy. I love this stuff. Uh, I am noticing that you're not wearing your Bills hat, though, today, my friend. No, nah, I went back to the Packers hat. I mean, the Bills, <laughs> the Bills disappointed last week, and... Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna go back to my, we'll my just leave it at that. You know what? We're just gonna leave it at that. They disappointed, and that's <laughs> what they did. Yeah. For, for those tuning in for the first time, listening or watching on YouTube, what Nick and I do is we just kind of go through the slate. We give you our thoughts. We're gonna give you a lineup that him and I are gonna play. And since we're in the playoffs, we are gonna talk about the playoff challenge. Obviously, our squad took a little bit of a hit. With the Bills, unfortunately, going down, we're going to look to have to make up some stuff to have any shot of winning our little group that we're in. But before we dive into that, we're going to dive into the DFS slate. And when the slates, meaning the number of games, dwindle down, instead of having us give you a 50-50 lineup, we're going to give you a millionaire maker lineup. 
So our thought process going into this is going to be a little bit different. We're not, we're going to go against the grain with some of these players with what, what we are telling you to play. So keep that in mind. Obviously this is just a blueprint for what you want to do, but we're telling you what Nick and I are going to be entering in the millionaire maker. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Obviously we got to start at the quarterback position. We got four choices. Do we go against Birdie? Do we, do we take Brock Purdy in Philadelphia against the best defense in the league? Joe Burrow, an injured Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts against the 49ers defense. What 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 are we doing here, Nick? In my opinion, <clears throat> you know, we got there's only really one choice for me, and that's Joe Burrow. Um, you know, he's had success against the Chiefs. Um, he's had a lot of success against blitzes and uh, the chiefs are the defense that blitzes the second most in the NFL. So, you know, with Mahomes ankle, I know he's, he's slated to start, but his ankle injury is still a question mark hurts playing the 49ers defense. I don't like that, especially still, I think he's nursing that shoulder injury, trying to keep out of contact there. Um, Burrow, the last time they played, he had 30, 30 fantasy points. Um, so Chiefs are also giving up the second most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. And I think with the offensive line issues that uh, the Bengals are having, they're going to be able to uh, – there's going to be some potential for Burrow to scramble around and get some extra points with rushing. I agree. I like Joe Burrow here. Joe Cool. My <laughs> – thing is though do we partner him up do we do a stack normally we don't do stack but as we talked about it with there only being two games we're kind of forced to stack so what Bengals wide receiver doesn't make sense to stack joe burrow with yeah i mean because there's only four teams to choose from we are limited um so here you know in my opinion the best stack here is with jamar chase um, you know, the chiefs are 31st DVOA defending wide receiver one, and they've given up the second most fantasy points to wide receiver one over this, over the course of the season. Last time the Bengals played the chiefs chase had seven catches, 97 yards, um, solid game. I think he's in line for another, uh, another game like that, possibly over a hundred yards this time. So I think that's a solid stack here. And Everybody, all we're hearing this week is the talk about how Brock Purdy is a rookie. What can he do? Chase is going to be lined up against two rookies himself. I really think that's a matchup that the Bengals are going to look to take advantage of. And if this is a close game, which I think it's going to be because we got news that Mahomes is going to play, more potential for chase to have a good game against this chief secondary now let's shift up to the tight end position tight end position is a little interesting and we mentioned before we have to go against the grain here we could take kittle we could take kelsey we could take dallas or do we take hayden hurst and go a little out there against the grain and this be the difference in our millionaire maker lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to go with Hayden Hurst here. He's fifty four hundred. He's um, 
you know, definitely opens up some other options in the, uh, in the lineup here. So Kelsey, you know, he had a huge game last week, but I think he's, uh, he's going to take a step back here. And the last time they played, he only had four catches for 56 yards and on only six targets. So, you know, I, I think that that same script could happen here. Um, I, but I know a lot of people are going to go with Kelsey because of his big game last week. Um, and then Kittle, kind of the same thing. Uh, but Philly's defense, I think, is going to uh, limit Kittle here. So I'm liking, I'm liking the, you know, against the grain, lower budget guy, Hayden Hurst here. Uh, the Chiefs are giving up 10.1 fancy points per game. Um, and I think that Burrow's going to, you know, look underneath the Hurst a lot with the offensive line issues that uh, the Bengals are dealing with right now. And with Kittle against the Eagles, they could have him stay in and block a little bit more for protection. San Francisco has one of the best linebackers in the league in coverage, defending the tight end. So, look, if we get a tutty from Hurst, you know, he's at 5,400. If we get him to 15, which I think he's capable of, you know, we're, we have a chance here, but if he yeah. takes out, you know, his floor, he has the lowest floor. So this is when you're ma- building a millionaire makeup, you do have to get the studs in there like chase, but you have to look for those lower budget guys that are against the grain that are going to be under own that could go off. And that's exactly why Hayden Hurts is. And I absolutely love him in this position mm-hmm. on the other side of the ball. Is there any Chiefs that you're looking to be invested in? Yeah, actually, actually a couple. Um, you know, let's start. Let's start at the running back position. Um, I like Isaiah Pacheco. Um, you know, it's a it's a tough matchup against the Bengals defensive line. Uh, they they're giving up the seven fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. But with Mahomes being hurt, I think they're going to lean on the run game a little more. Um, Pacheco actually averaged 4.7 yards per carry when they played Cincy earlier in the season. Uh, and he's averaged 11.6 fantasy points in his last three games. Uh, he's 6,300. So he's not, you know, breaking the bank. Uh, I think, I think he's a viable option here to put in the lineup. And I think you hit the nail on the head. They're going to have to run part of what makes Mahomes and everything great is what they do in the pocket with him moving around and everything with, if he's not able to do that, you got to have something, a different wrinkle. Maybe it's the run game with Pacheco. So I like that play. He's definitely the alpha. He's definitely going to get the goal line carries. The only worry is in the passing game. But with playing FanDuel, you know, it's a completely different game as opposed to DK. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody else on the Chiefs that we're looking to get invested in? Yeah, uh, on the wide receiver side, I like uh, Kadarius Tony. Um, you know, again, with Mahomes being banged up, we expect the Chiefs to, you know, have a quick, short passing game. You know, I think he'll look to get the ball to his playmakers in space. I think they're going to, the defense is going to focus on Travis Kelsey. Um, and I think Tony's in line to be the best playmaker, um, you know, on those short, quick passes. They're going to want to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick and get it to playmakers in space. Hardman, obviously not 100%. Tony, they've been trying to do that more and more and more and more and more. 
Yeah. I absolutely love this year. And like Juju's more. been uh, Juju's been completely invisible <laughs> lately. He's been inconsistent. It's been pretty bad with him. Yeah. And I thought we're going to see him have a good game. If you can't put up good numbers against Trey Hurden, then you just can't put up good numbers at all. So is there anyone else in this game, or should we shift our attention to Philly and San Fran? Yeah, I'm looking to shift at this point. I think we've uh, I think we've covered basically what I'm looking at for uh, Chiefs and Bengals here. So right now we have one wide receiver. Excuse me, we have one flex position open, one wide one wide receiver position open, and one running back position and the defense. So let's go to the let's go to the running back position. In the running back position, where are you looking at? So again. I think because we're we're doing the millionaire maker, we gotta we gotta think a little bit different here and go a little bit against the grain. Um, I like Miles Sanders here. I know he's been struggling, but you know last week he could have produced more, but the game was out of hand so early that you know they were kind of saving him. I think he still had a decent game, um, but with the Eagles having the best offensive line, you know in football, I think they're gonna win in the trenches. And uh, they're going to be able to create some running lanes for Sanders. So, you know, in, in terms of run, starting running backs, he'll probably be the lowest owned. And, you know, we, we all know that the uh, 49ers have the best run defense in the league right now. But I think Sanders has a great opportunity here to um, get some get some points and he'll be low owned here. Um, so. I'm liking, think, I'm liking what the offensive line will be able to do for him. I think the best point he made was he's a starter. We look at San Francisco, Mitchell, McCaffrey, injured, not practicing. We already have Pacheco, already invested in the Chiefs. Look at the Bengals. There is the worry of the offensive line. And if they need to have Mixon on the sidelines because they need P. Ryan in the block, that could open, you know, that he's not going to be able to get that production. So I really like that thought of you know going against the grain here, getting Miles Sanders involved. And I expect this, how that game is going to play out is going to be a little weird. I don't know if it's going to be high scoring. I could see that game being 24-21, but it also wouldn't surprise me if it's 17-10. It's a heavy run game. Sirianni very crafty at crafting, so I like I like Sanders there a lot because either way that plays out, Sanders is going to be involved. Now we have the two wide receiver. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Of one wide receiver and one flex. Excuse me. Where are we? No, we have two, two, two wide receivers left. Okay. All right, so we have two wide receivers left. So who who are we looking? So oh, so we're going to put Chase in the flex then. So Chase will be in their flex, and we'll go two wide receivers. Okay, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. So wide receiver-wise, where do you want to go here? So, again, on the Eagles side of the ball, I love Devonta Smith this week. Uh, you know, he's averaging 17 fantasy points per game over his last four, and he's, you know, you're going to expect him to get an uptick in targets because he's got a great matchup against Ward, who's averaging, you know, an 81% catch rate. And we saw it last week. C.D. Lamb, 10 catches, 
over 100, what do you have, 117 yards. I expect the same thing to happen with Smith this week. Now, also another point is with San Fran being so good against opposing teams tight end, we can expect those targets that were going to the tight end to kind of shift over and go to Devontae Smith. I absolutely love Smith here. If you watch the E-Talk 21 Sports Show, that was one of the best that I gave out. Devontae Smith over 65 and a half yards. Absolutely love Devontae in this position. Now that brings us to the last position, the last wide receiver. I'm assuming this is going to be a 49er because we have to have one 49er on the team. Absolutely. We're going to throw a little dart here. Um, He's been a little quiet, but uh, I think this is the perfect scenario for him to come out of the woodwork. And that's Debo Samuel, Um, you know, with CMC, hurt you know he didn't play in the closing moments of the Cowboys game that's a little worrisome he's been sitting out of practice um, to nurse those injuries Uh, so is Elijah Mitchell with his groin injury so I think that Samuel is going to be used in the run game Um, and uh, this could be a perfect opportunity for Shanahan to sneak him in there again because he hasn't been used in the run game very much since CMC came to San Fran so I think this is a good time to give CMC a little bit of rest and uh, get a little new look to the uh, the run game for San Francisco. I, I kind of feel he's been that toy Shanahan's wanted to play with that hasn't played with him. Yeah. We saw CMC at the end of the Dallas game not get the reps on the sideline because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. He saw him with the calf massager on his calf during the game against the Cowboys. So it makes you feel that there's something there that is a little worrisome. So that's, a, I, I definitely like that thought using Debo because this could be a game where they lean on Debo, especially if Purdy gets off to a rocky start with the Eagles defense. Give it to Debo. We need to remember what they were doing last year with Debo mm-hmm. and how big of a weapon he actually was. With the injuries and them getting CMC, I'm kind of thinking people forgot how good he was when they got him the ball just handing off in the backfield. And with the build that we just gave you guys, the best part is this. You can pay up for any defense. If you want the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bengals, or the Chiefs, whatever you want, you can fit in. Now, I think Nick and I have a different opinion. Nick, if it was up to you, what defense would you choose? Yeah, I mean, I I just love the 49ers defense. Um you know, I know we can pick anyone we want, but they're just they are just solid, and I I'm just a huge fan. <laughs> I think they're gonna I think they're gonna go on the road and they're gonna win this game. It's gonna be they're gonna keep the Eagles under 21 points, and I think they're gonna win it straight up. See, I would take the Eagles defense. So I would take I would take the Eagles defense, but it wouldn't surprise me. Any, any one of these defenses is good, and we're going to leave that up to you because that defense is kind of the one that Nick and I feel 10 points top this weekend. And right. it, we'll leave that to you people. So now what we're going to do is we're, we'll give a quick review of the lineup. Joe Burrow, Isaiah Pacheco, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, Evo Samuels, Darius Tony. Hayden Hurst, Jamar Chase, and defense of your liking is what Nick and I are telling you to lock in 
in your DFS lineups. Now we're going to switch over to the quarterback playoff challenge. Obviously, like you said, we took a little bit of hit. We lost some guys, but we still have McCaffrey, three multiplier hurt, kind of stinks. We have Miles Sanders, three multiplier, Travis Kelsey, three multiplier, Robbie Gold in San Francisco, three multiplier. Now we need a quarterback and two wide receivers. Nick, where's your head at to fill out this lineup? Well, I actually, you know, I like the guys that we've been we've been talking about already. Um, you know, quarterback wise, I like Joe Burrow here um, to win that to win that game and get to the Super Bowl again and get us a little two X there for next week. Um, you know, stack him with Jamar Chase and uh, again, love Devonta Smith here. So I'm I'm all about those three um, to add into the playoff challenge lineup, fill those gaps. I like it. I like it. And then if they go in, we get the multiplier. I think the Eagles win the game. The other game is a complete toss up. So I like yeah, it. Yeah. I, and I like yeah. where we are. We think, uh, we definitely both think that the uh, 49ers Eagles game is going to be the lower scoring of the two. So for sure. That's why we're both on those defenses. <laughs> Nick, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on and talk a little fantasy football. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at NAA Fantasy. And it's always a pleasure, man. All right, man. Some good games. Let's see if we can get this bad boy home for you guys. And uh, Nick will be back here for the Super Bowl to give you his thoughts on the Super Bowl. And then also during the offseason, him and I are going to do some ranking stuff, look back at the year and everything. So we have some stuff in in the mix. So just because the football season is over – doesn't mean we're going to stop talking fantasy football. Always a pleasure, pleasure, my friend. Until next week. I'd like to thank Nick for coming on. Please make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at NAA Fantasy. Now, we're three and one last week. David and I are going to try a run it back this week, finish off the season strong. We got two more weeks of games, three more games left. So let's jump right into it and see what bets David and I are betting for the AFC and NFC Championship. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're going to talk NFL betting. Who better to come on than David, a.k.a. BetterDP21 on Twitter and Instagram. David, how you doing today, my man? Good, man. Been a long Friday. I'm uh, very much looking forward to the weekend and cashing some more tickets together. 2-0 last weekend on this place. Yeah, you were 2-0. I was 1-1. We are now... 34 21 and 3 on the podcast giving out nfl bets unfortunately we only have three games left i know it's sad it's sad so we're gonna have to look to finish off on a positive note with it getting dwindling down more there may be a week where we just have only first half plays maybe two sides player props, whatever, our normal norm is going to be changed a little bit. And I have to, like, I'm going to tout myself. This is going to be the stress-free betting weekend for me because I'm sitting on the Eagles 30-1 to to win it all, the 49ers 14-1 to to win the NFC, the Chiefs 12-1 to to win it all, and the Bengals 11-1 to win the AFC. I'm making money somehow. No matter what. No yeah. matter what, <laughs> I am making money. So it's stress-free for me. That's good. That's good. So, you know, 
I like, to, have, I like to I like to live dangerously though. <laughs> well, don't get me wrong. I bet the Eagles. I gave that out earlier sure. on, in the week on my live stream, and actually one of the sides you're going to give out, I've locked in too. Great. So let's jump right into it. We're going to, like I said, I have two player props. David has a halftime bet and a full game side. I'll let David start us off. All right, very good. So getting started with the first half, I'm I'm center focused on one game. It's Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, you know, so with this game here, I'm looking at the first half. I'm looking at the over 23 and a half in the first half. My model has this at average of like 30 points in the first half, giving us a nice six and a half point margin over the book. Um, you know, respectively, each of these teams passing defenses are middle of the pack. And you know, the, the Russian defense are very much the same. So, but also, respectively, both have like a very top five um, rushing offense and a top 10 passing uh, offense. So I really like um, this one to be aired out a little bit more in the first half. I think these, both these teams are going to come out pretty strong and firing. I think we're going to see a lot more in the air than the run, uh, just given the defensive rankings compared to their passing defense. And, you know, I just – I really like the edge that we have here in terms of the total. So that's where I'm going to put my money for the first half. Uh, not trying to overthink it, just pretty straightforward analytics to me. You know, let's make it make sense and uh, get over that 23-and-a-half for the first half for the game. I like it. I think that game is a potential shootout. Earlier in the podcast, Nick, who does the fantasy stuff, came on, and he was targeting that game a lot because of – the shootout potential in it compared to the earlier game. My first bet, I'm staying in that game. I'm taking Mr. Jones, Chris Jones, over half a sack. The Chiefs, and when I read this, it kind of blew my mind. They're second in the league in sacks. Wow. So they're getting to the quarterback. I know their defense has issues in the secondary and stopping the run, but they're able to get to the quarterback. I know Williams was at practice. Kapkis was at practice. They didn't participate, but they were there. Don't know what's going on with them, but Jones is a bad mofo. They're going to move him all the way across the line, right side, left side. He had two sacks last time they played. He has 15 and a half for the year. I think he's going to be able to get to the quarterback. I think he's going to be able to get to Burrow and take advantage of these injuries that the Bengals have on the offensive line. So I like Chris Jones over half a sack. I was able to find this line at minus 122. However, I would not pay more than minus 125. So it's kind of at that price that, right that check for me. So minus 125 or better, Chris Jones over half a sack. That's good, especially for the full game. Um, you know, you definitely got to imagine that they're going to try to look to exploit as many matchups as you can you know, on on either the right or left side, uh, just kind of depending. So whichever one I'm sure he's got an advantage over, I'm sure he's going to be leaning in that direction and probably find that sack. I mean, as you just mentioned, they're going to they're gonna just exploit each side of it. And if they're the top two in sacks, yeah, that I really mean, you know up. that. That really just – that just surprises me. Like they're able to get – he had 15 and a half for the year. They're able to get the quarterback – I heard someone make this point 
generally speaking, his, his thing was when a team has an issue, it's usually not the first game where it shows up. It's the second game where it kind of shows up a little bit. This could be the game where those O-line issues show up. You're able to get the sack. And also it snowed. I was talking to you off camera about someone I know who's an offensive line coach. His point was in a snowy game, it's hard for the defense to get to the quarterback and it can band-aid some of the offensive line issues. So I think that helped the Bengals last week as well. We're not going to have snowy, icy conditions. So I think that plays into Chris Jones being able to get home get a sack to cash this ticket. Second bet. What are you looking at my friend? Second bet, full game side. I am sticking with the same game. Um, I like the Bengals-Chiefs game. I like Chiefs minus one and a half. I had this uh, much earlier in the week. Um, I think at like a minus one line uh, for the game. And, you know, so the line's clearly moving in my direction, or at least I got ahead of it uh, from a value perspective. But, yeah, same kind of analysis here, right? Like, I just look at the Chiefs, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand the track record, but I do not try to go on those trends of, you know, oh, the Chiefs haven't beaten the Bengals in the last three meetings or whatever it's been. I I really like where they're rolling right now with their offense. I think, uh, I think they just look like the more balanced team. Uh, I know the Bengals look really strong against my Bills. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I – <laughs> For me right now, the, the kryptonite of the Bills is these two teams trying to get out of the AFC always. So, you know, I think they're very evenly matched. I really like it, but I, I really like the Chiefs at home. Uh, I try not to put a lot of pressure on, you know, home away at this point of the season, of course, as, as most people have heard me say. But I really do think, you know, the offensive prowess of the Chiefs is actually just going to kind of show up a little bit more. Um you know, I, I do see this being a shootout. It could come down to the last one, but my numbers, uh, my model average has this as Chiefs minus seven. So, you know, I'm looking at this as like a full touchdown advantage for the Chiefs going in against that kind of book line right now. You know, field goal would beat that line. You know, anything like that. Safety. I mean, you know, you just anything at, you know, with a one, one and a half mark right now is a really good value. Uh, that I just find from a numbers perspective to support the Chiefs. And and that's where I'm going to put my money for for the side. And it makes you think, this team was just, what, six and a half point underdogs to the Bills? Yes. If Mahomes was 100% and they had those offensive line issues, where would this line be? I think this is a little bit of an overreaction to the Mahomes. I do too. I do too. Um, you know, and, and Chad Henney proved he's just as capable to step in in that offense last week. I mean, they didn't – they had no stop in them. They had no quit, you know, like as much as I, I agree, I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, you know, from the injury bug perspective uh, for the line, you know, of the Bengals for Mahomes is, you know, where he's going to – I mean, he's going to play. Um, yeah. It's, it's just like, yeah, public perception right now. Everybody's probably just – looking at the games from last week, seeing Mahomes, you know, had an injury, seeing what the Bengals did to my bills. And, you know, I think they're just really looking at it from the perspective of that and trying to favor, uh, trying not to call Cincinnati such a huge dog at this point, but yeah. and nobody should be at this point. Right. I mean, we're, 
we're at the critical point where these lines yeah. are so tight that everybody's everybody's got a shot. And that's another thing. Like a, it's almost when you kind of explain it the way you just did, a buy low, sell high. Yeah. And then when you think about it, like I said before, I think this is the game where you see those old line in- issues kind of hurt the Bengals yeah. with um with what they're trying to do. My next bet, I'm going to another player prop. I gave out the Eagles. I'm on the Eagles mm-hmm. for the game against the 49ers. Do you like the Eagles in that game as well? Or are you leaning toward the 49ers? I would lean toward the 49ers money line if I had to pick. My line um, has this more of a minus one in favor of the Eagles. So, I mean, you get a point and a half advantage, you know, with the two and a half where it is right now. But this game isn't going to be decided by, you know, a point. This is going to be like a field goal, maybe yep. maybe a little bit more. But either way, um, I, I give the value to the dog in that game. I, I really love the defense of the 49ers. I just think it just stands up really well uh, against the Eagles. And I think they're going to have a true test in front of them. You know, like I, I don't know if Purdy's magic is going to sustain against the Eagles. Granted, just how much offensive, you know, don't get me wrong. Eagles have a great defense too. I've been saying it all year. Like, you know, the only hole that they ever really showed a gap in was I think their rushing defense, which obviously if that's the case, then, you know, that McCaffrey, is going to be a really big, uh, really big contributor. But here's the thing, though. It's when you look at the rushing defense with Jordan Davis there, and then mm-hmm. with not Jordan Davis there, it's night and day. Oh, true. And that's that's to play. I did CMC under 99 and a half total receiving total rushing yards. Thought process awesome. is. Eagles with Sue, Quinn, Joseph, and Davis, they're really good against the run. And they're going to be able to shut down the opposing running back. Look what they did to Saquon Barkley last week. On top of that, McCaffrey, we saw when he first got there, his touches being in the 20s. They've been slowly dwindling. And now it's basically like a third him, third Mitchell, third Debo in the backfield. Oh, yeah. And the last part of that game on Sunday, Debo, no, excuse me, CMC was on the sideline. He had that calf thing on, Mm -hmm. and it was Eli Mitchell that closed the game. So I really think we're going to see more Mitchell. We're going to see more Debo, and it's not going to be a CMC game. And with how good the Eagles are defensively, I think he's going to struggle a little bit in the passing game. A lot of the over, over the middle stuff is open up. So I don't really think we're going to see that much of CMC. So I like under 99 and a half it I'm looking at right now on bed stamp. I'm starting to see some shops are dropping it basically. I would not go under though. 96 would probably be anything. If it get dripped down to 95 and a half, I wouldn't do it. 96 and a half. I would do it. I got it at 99. That's awesome. Uh, and I, I need to correct myself, actually. The whole of the defense of the Eagles is actually their passing side. It's not their running side. Um, so from a rushing perspective, I agree. He'll definitely be held over, held under. And, you know, but they just use him so much 
um, like you just mentioned, him, Debo, they looked at Kittle. You know, they use him as an extension of the passing game in so many ways. But I do agree that, you know, they're they're going to – I think Purdy really keys in more on Kittle than anybody else since he's been back there. And, you know, he revived him in the second half of this year. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see just this one being just a little bit under um, where he want to be just due to the Eagles' defense. I mean – Totally agree. I think it's going to be a, a big defensive game, actually. Um, you know, I know Vegas, you know, and this is this is not any kind of advocated play. I'm just saying that if anything was trending to support your under decision, it's the fact of where these both these defenses are ranking in the top five, even in the top three uh, when it comes to rushing uh, defense. And, you know, and that's usually what determines a lot of the Vegas totals as well. So I would I'd be looking at the under 46 and a half. Uh, as well in the game. And you mentioned the Purdy magic. Let's just catch a beat. He threw that ball in front of Kittle. Kittle hit it toward himself, hit himself in the face, and then they caught it. And (laughs) then he caught it. And I'm just like, wow. I just sat back there and I was like, some days you just got to be like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And then they called that P.I. on Kittle. Where Kittle, he, he, he kind of flopped. Yeah. He flopped because later on, the next series they got the ball, he just completely boat raced that guy, just shoved it down to the ground. It oh, was, yeah. It was kind of funny. But the thing with the Cowboys, in my eyes, is Dak. He drove him down at the end of the first half. Yeah. Great field goal range, bad, costly turnover. 49ers go down. They kicked the field goal. That's six points right there. The missed extra point. That's the game. And when you have two teams that are two good defensive teams, like the Cowboys and the 49ers are, Eagles are in that boat too. It wouldn't surprise me if this game's a low-scoring game as well. So that's another reason why I like this under. Yep. I like it. I like – I mean, I definitely support that player prop for sure. No doubt about it. Um, I, like I said, I just – I couldn't remember which side it was. The Eagles were more weaker on as their passing defense out of everything. Especially in the slot. I also bet Jawan Jennings over 19 and a half yards receiving. That's a free play for everybody. Little 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 go. bonus grab. Little See, bonus we, grab. We, we keep just spitballing these ideas, and then more plays come if you listen to us. <laughs> little, 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 little bonus grab right there. But uh, it's been a fun season, David. You know, I appreciate sure. ending your uh, work week, coming out, talking a little – little shop, little football, but I, you know, I went on this rant earlier in the podcast and you're a better, you've been in the game for a while. I gave my two cents on the matter. I'd love to hear your two cents on the matter before I let you go. Trending right now on Twitter is Void Luca. I guess he played three minutes last night and everyone's bitching and whining saying they wanted their bets voided. I'm a little older I look at it, hey, he played in the game. It's the rules of the book. You lost your bet. Tough shit. Move on. Yeah, I have the same mentality. I yep. mean, if a player plays, absolutely. they. That's how you honor the bet. Like, they participated in the game to some threshold, you know, of time that the book deems acceptable to accept bets, not refund anybody, and – that just is what it is. I mean, you run into that. I mean, you you'll find it in a whole bunch of games. I mean, I 
so many different scenarios are going through my head of just, you know, when I've tried to advocate to a book of whether or not they should honor or, you know, refund a bet based on a situational play. And um, some of them surprise me. Some of them just, I'm like, well, that's just the way it goes. We're, we're gambling, you know, like we have to accept the risk of, of the outcome. I agree a hundred percent. And I hate, I feel like the books and don't get me wrong. Like the offshore books, <laughs> you do that. They hang up on you. Yeah. The it's the DraftKings, the fan duels, those guys that are doing this. Agree with you hundred percent. I'd like to thank you for coming on and I look forward to talking to the Super Bowl with you next time we talk, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the time. I would like to thank everybody for tuning into the eTalk 21 Sports Podcast. As always, we'll be back next week. Make sure you give my boy David a follow at BetterDP21 on Instagram and Twitter. Nick a follow at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. And Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B on Twitter. I appreciate the love and support from each and every one of you. Reminder, the eTalk21 Sports Show is going to be back live Tuesday night on YouTube. Make sure to check that out. Let's cash some tickets. Let's make some money. Until next week, boys and girls.